like that so much they want to do it again. Um, <clears throat> all right, guys. Hey, we are in Philippians 4 today. Man, I hope you got a Bible. You go ahead and open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to get to in just a minute, okay? So, hey, listen, and if you don't own a Bible, uh, the words are going to be up on the screen behind me. And uh, something I haven't said in a while, but I just want you uh, to say every once in a while here, is if you, if you don't have a Bible that you can understand, like if, you're, if you've got a Bible that you're trying to read, maybe it's just hard for you to get, listen, on your way out today, there are free Bibles back there. You don't have to ask anybody for it at all. Just grab it and take it, all right? That's a free gift for you. So if you need a copy of the Bible that you can understand, right there on that table back at the auditorium, just grab one on your way out, all right? Philippians 4, though, is where we're at today. We're going to read this in Philippians 4. We're just going to read three really quick verses today, all right? Three quick verses, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 5 through 7. Philippians 4, verses 5 through 7. Here we go. Let's read this. It says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, today, we are, we are in part four of a series that we've been in for, uh, obviously, four weeks, called Unglued. And what we're trying to do in this series, if this is like your first day here or, or whatever in this series, uh, we've been in the book of Philippians uh, for four weeks, and we'll wrap up this series next week. And what we're trying to do in this series is to answer the question, how do you keep it all together when everything feels like it's falling apart? How, how do you keep it all together when, when, when it just feels like everything in your life is coming unglued? Because we've all been there, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, you don't have any spiritual belief. It doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum today. We've all been in those moments where it just feels like everything is coming apart and we are coming unglued. And so that's what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. And we'll wrap it up next week, so I hope you'll come back for the finale. But today, we are talking about one of the most common ways that you and I come unglued. Today, we're talking about fear. Today, we're, we're talking about fear. We're talking about worry. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about fear. One of the most common ways that you and I can come Unglued. In fact, uh, let's do this together. Let's take a little, uh, just a really quick quiz. Answer this by raising your hands. How many of you know somebody that you would describe as a worrier? Raise your hand. Don't look at them if they're here, okay? But uh, you just know somebody, hey, that person's a worrier, yeah. Okay, there you go. Put your hands down. That's good, that's good. How many of you are worried somebody might have thought of you and they raised your hand? Anybody? There you go, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, so, is that me? Right? Worrier, right? Listen, have you noticed though there is no limit to the things that we can be afraid of? Have you noticed this? Have you ever texted somebody and they didn't text you back quickly? And then you start to think this. Are they mad at me? Oh, did, did, I, did I do something wrong? And then, and then you've done this. And maybe it's just me and I need counseling. But they don't text you. And you know they always have their phone with them because they're always playing Candy Crush, Right? 
So they always have their phone, and you've texted them, and it's been five minutes they haven't texted you back yet. And so you are running through your last conversation. Did you say anything offensive? Did you post something on Facebook about them that you shouldn't have posted? And then all of a sudden they text you back, and you don't say anything in your response, but inside you're going, whoo, thank goodness, right? Right? Because you're afraid. Listen, there's no limit. To the stuff that you and I can freak out over. We can worry about money. Whether we have a lot of it, whether we have too little of it, it doesn't matter where you're at economically in that kind of bracket. We can worry about money. We can worry about a decision we've got to make. We can worry about our kids. We can worry about our spouse. We can worry about uh, our relationships. We can worry about our health. We can worry about something that's going on in our life, a meeting, a deadline, a test. There is no limit to what you and I can worry about. Um, In fact, a couple of weeks ago when I was was preparing uh, for this morning, I read that there was some research done to try to figure out how much time the average person spends worrying in their life. And so there was a massive survey that was done, asked people about how much time they thought they worried in a week, what they might worry about. And from that research project, they determined that the average person spends six and a half years of their life worrying. Some of you are worried if that's you, right? Think about that. Six and a half years. And that's just the average person. That's just, some of us have already blown the six and a half years out of the water. Six and a half years worrying. I mean, worry is just like a national pastime. It's what we do. We even have words that we used earlier to kind of normalize it, that we even describe ourselves with. Oh, I'm a worrier. It's just, it's just what I do. I worry about things. I freak out about things. I'm a worrier. And the only reason I bring that up is because I'm afraid that when we see God say something like he says in verse 6, let's look at it again. It'll be up on the screen behind me. Do not be anxious about what you say it. Did you hear that? Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Anything. You know what anything means in the Greek? Anything. Don't worry about anything. See, we've so normalized this that I'm afraid somebody in the room, when we read stuff like this in the Bible, somebody in the room says this to themselves, no way. Hey, God, you need to get real. I I, I think there's somebody in the room maybe that when they hear stuff like this, they think there's absolutely no way that I could do that. God, you don't know my life. I know you're God, but you don't know me. There's no way. Yeah, right. Some of us have an easier time believing the story of Jonah getting swallowed by a fish and living in his belly three days than a verse like this. Don't worry about anything. But here's what I need us to understand today. I need need us to understand if you're looking at the amount of worrying that you do, the stress and anxiety and everything in your life, and God's saying don't worry about anything, and something inside of you says that's not realistic, there's no way, yeah, right. I need you to understand this. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Here's what I want us to understand. God really means this. God really means it. Don't worry about anything. Listen, don't write off the Bible or downplay the Bible because it begins to address things that are deep in our lives. Because see, God's original plan was for you and I to never be afraid. 
fear and worry and anxiety, those things were never a part of God's original plan. They're here now because the world is broken. That's it. Not because, in t- not because God intended for us to spend most of our lives freaking out. So listen, the problem here is not with God. The problem is with me. The problem is not with God here. The problem is with me. So listen, if you're here and you're one of these people and you're looking at a verse like this and you're thinking, there's no way, get real, doesn't apply to me, I can't track with what God is saying right there. Listen, don't wave the white flag and call normal what God says is abnormal. Don't wave the white flag of surrender to stuff that Jesus died to set you free from. Because I want you to watch this. This is really strong what I'm about to say, okay? But I need you to hear everything that I'm about to say and keep it together. Because if you don't keep together what I'm about to say, somebody's going to leave here and you're going to be ticked off and think that I said something I didn't say. But this is strong, so I'm just going to say it anyway. Do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because it's sin. Don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because the kind of anxiety that God is talking about here is sin. Again, let me, let me say what I'm not saying. Let me, let me tell you what I'm not saying today, okay? So if, if you're here today, anxiety attacks, worry, fear, anxiety, maybe you're taking medication to help you in those kind of areas. Listen, nobody is saying today, and the Bible never says those things are sinful. Do you hear that? If you hear this, say Amen. The Bible never says that stuff's sinful. Listen, if, if, if God is using that in your life to help you in that area, then accept it. Praise God for it. That is a thing of God's grace. The Bible never says, and I'm not saying today that it is sinful to take those kind of things. And also, listen to me. The Bible never says that if you're here today and you're a Christian and you struggle with, desi- with depression, with anxiety, with worry and fear, if those things are constantly in your life, the Bible never says that if you struggle with that, you're a second-class Christian. That is not true at all. If you think that, that is from the pit of hell, and I just want to remove that lie from your mind and your heart right now. Listen, if that's something in your life, listen, I could take you to places right now where we see Jesus struggling with depression, where we see some of the greatest men and women in the Bible having an anxiety attack. We did a sermon on depression for our Easter series called Broken. You can go back on our website and listen to it. So listen, we're not saying that any of those things, medication, things like that are sinful. We're not saying if, that, if, if that's an issue in somebody's life. I think that's probably an issue in everybody's life at some point, in some way, shape, or form. But if it is, no matter how severe it is, you're not a second-class Christian. But here's what I want us to know. God never intended for us to be afraid of anything. And one day, Jesus Christ is going to come back, and he's going to set up a kingdom, and there won't be a hint of anxiety, worry, or fear in Jesus' kingdom. There won't be a hint of it. There won't be a trace of any of those things that we've accepted and called normal in Jesus' kingdom. So I'm just saying this so that we'll kind of get on the same page. So that when God says don't be anxious about anything, there must be a way that you and I can loosen its grip in our lives. There's got to be a way that you and I can loosen the grip of fear in our lives. There's got to be a way that you and I can loosen the grip that anxiety might have in our lives if God is saying, don't be anxious about anything. And so today, man, I think you picked a great day to come because today we are getting a new way to live today. 
I think that God in the three verses we just read has given us a new way to live, a a new way to respond to fear. Because when fear comes, maybe we just cower, you know, maybe we just get in the fetal position in the corner, maybe we just give in to it. When we start to freak out, maybe we just listen to the voices in our head. Today, God is going to give us a new way to live so that from today forward, we can respond differently when fear wants to show up in our lives. Because I think today, God wants to teach us how to sucker punch fear. So if you're, if you're into sermon titles, the sermon title today is Sucker Punch Fear. Do you know what a sucker punch is? Do you know what one is? I looked it up. Did you know you can look up sucker punch in the dictionary? You'd be amazed what's in the dictionary, right? You can look up sucker punch in the dictionary. And in fact, if you look it up right now, here's what it means. It means a sudden move out of nowhere that no one expected. It's a sucker punch. A sucker punch is a sudden move out of nowhere. You're about to get in a fight. Everybody thinks you are going to get beat down. And then out of nowhere, I don't know what you do. It's on nobody. Maybe you slap and run. Ain't nothing wrong with slapping and running. Maybe, I don't know what you do. But you do something nobody expected. And you take the opponent down because of a sucker punch. I think today God wants to teach us how to sucker punch fear, because listen, for too long we've been living like fear is our boss, but I want to tell us today that at the end of the day, we don't answer to fear, we answer to God who is greater than all of our fears. You, do you hear that? Fear is not your boss today. I don't care how deeply ingrained it is in your life. I don't care what the struggle that, that, that it looks like in your life. There are steps forward, and today, we, you and I, we're going to learn how to sucker punch fear. Is anybody with me? Anybody excited? All right, so we're going to do this. Three things that God says through the Apostle Paul that you and I need to do if we're going to learn how to sucker punch fear. The first thing we need to do, we need to size up our opponent. You're taking notes, you're writing this down, you're keeping score at home. First thing we're going to do, if we're going to, si- if we're going to sucker punch fear, we're going to size up our opponent. See, because here's one of the things you've got to do, man. If you're going to get in a fight with somebody, maybe it's somebody you really don't know, you just hear that they're ticked off at you or whatever. If you're going to get in a fight with somebody, there's one thing you want to know first, right? How big a boy are they? Right? I mean, come on. How big are they? Because listen, if they're bigger than you, who's got the advantage? They do. Um, uh, in, in one of the best Christian movies ever made, one of the best pieces of American cinematic history, Rocky Four. Amen? Rocky Four. Uh, I think that we might watch that in heaven. I, I, if, we, if we do, I'm not surprised because it's amazing. Um, but in Rocky Four, remember in Rocky Four when Rocky is in the ring with Ivan Drago and it shows Rocky and he's real short. There's Sylvester Stallone and Sylvester Stallone does this. And, he, and the camera pans up. There's the Russian, I would break you. Remember that? Oh, it's amazing. I love that movie. I'm convinced after I watch Rocky IV, I could probably bench press a car. I think I probably can. Don't mess with me after Rocky IV, bro. It's on. Right? The Russian has the advantage. It doesn't look good for Rocky. And so here's what, he, here's what he says. He says, you and I, we need to size up our opponent. Because it doesn't simply say here in what we read, it doesn't simply say, don't be anxious about anything. See, we need to read it in context. When you, I want us to be good Bible readers. When you read the Bible, you need to read it in context. You need to keep the whole thing, the whole argument together. So let's go back to verse 5 before we get to verse 6. Look at verse 5 again. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Watch this next phrase. This is it. 
The Lord is where? At hand. The Lord is at hand. See, when you're afraid and when anxiety comes into your life, it says this, God is nowhere. God can't help you. God doesn't know what you're going through. There's nobody that can solve your problem. God's not interested. God doesn't care. God has left the building. But here, God says that he is at hand. And what it means that the Lord is at hand, what it means is that God is right there on the scene of your life with you in the middle of whatever you're afraid of. He's on the scene. God God is on the scene with you in the midst of the loss. God is on the scene with you in the midst of the divorce, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the decision. The Lord is at hand hand. And because the Lord's at hand, here's what you and I need to do. We need to look at our fear, and then we need to look at our God, and we need to ask ourselves, who's bigger? Who's bigger? Is what we're afraid of bigger than our God? And the answer is no, because our God is greater than our greatest fear. See, the problem for me, and maybe the problem for you, is that I, for too many, I, for so long, too many times, all I do is focus on what I'm afraid of. Do you do that? Focus on what you're afraid of. Let it roll around in your mind. Let it roll around in your heart. And it doesn't take long at all that we even forget who God is. Listen, listen. God will seem really small if all you're looking at is that stack of bills on the table. God will seem really small to you. God will seem distant and far away from your situation if all you're looking at is the diagnosis. But he's saying the Lord is at hand. So every time you look at what you're afraid of, every time fear wants to come into your mind, it wants to come into your heart, don't focus on your fear. Focus on your God who is greater than your fear. For every one look you take at what you're afraid of, take ten looks at the God that bought you through his son, Jesus Christ, who is greater than your greatest fear. Look, don't look at your fear. Look to God who's greater than your fear. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Ephesians 1, 22, it's, I think it's going to be up on the screen. There it is. It says, and he put all things under his feet. He, that's God, put all things under his, that's Jesus' feet. All things have been put under Jesus' feet. What's that mean? It means that Jesus is in control of all things. Jesus is in control of all things. There is nothing that you and I will ever encounter that isn't under Jesus' feet. So whatever you're afraid of, it's under his feet today. Unemployment is under Jesus' feet. Your finances are under his feet. Your health is under his feet. Your kids and their future decisions, it's under his feet. Your past, your present, your future, all things have been put under Jesus' feet. And so what you do is you size up your opponent. Who is bigger, your fear or your God? And because all things have been put under his feet, your God is bigger than your fear. And that takes us right into number two. Because, see, after you size up your opponent, then the next thing you got to do is you need to make your move. Size up your opponent and then make your move. Look at verse 6 again. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See that but there in verse 6? Don't be anxious about anything, but. That's a big but, y'all. 
Don't be anxious about anything. But it's as if God is saying this. What do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when you're afraid? Do you just give in to it? Do you just listen to it? And when God says but, he's saying this. What if there's a better way? What if there is a different response that you can have? And see, so what he says is, don't be anxious about anything. Instead of giving in to that fear, here's the sucker punch. Here's the new response. In everything what? Pray. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious. Instead, instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The sucker punch to fear is prayer. Prayer is the sucker punch. Can you guys all say that with me just so I know you're here with me today? Prayer is the sucker punch. What do you think about when you think about prayer? There's a big crowd here today, so a lot of us probably have different views of prayer when we think about prayer. Some of us, when we think about prayer, we have this really formal idea of prayer. It's a very serious thing, so you begin to maybe even talk differently than you normally do. Have you ever heard somebody pray, and man, they're just talking normal, they're talking the way you do, the way I do, and then the moment they start to pray, they begin to speak King James only. Have you ever heard that? Right? You're out to lunch with somebody. Oh, man, hey, let's pray before we eat. Do you want me to pray? Yeah, I'll pray. All right, hey, man, cool. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank us thee for thou day that thou hast beseechest us to have. And you're like, dude, beseech. Don't use that language around me. I'm a Christian. I don't even know what that means, man. Right? You're like, what, what happened? Some of you, that's the view maybe you have of prayer. Very formal, speak differently, King James only. Here's maybe another one. A lot of people, when they pray, they try to pretty themselves up before God. So, so they're freaking out on the inside. They got all these problems going on on the inside, but when they pray and talk to God, they, all, they, they never talk about what's going on inside of them. All they do, God, everything is awesome. God, everything is so great. God, thank you for the unicorn and the gumdrops that make up my life. It's so perfect, right? I, I've had people tell me this, Mark, I don't want to bother God with my problems, so I don't want to talk to him about it. Listen, Jesus died for your problems. Talk to him about it. Bring your problems to Jesus. Listen, he says, he says, in everything, by prayer and supplication. Prayer, talking to God, supplication, asking God. Listen to me. Every Christian in the room, I want you to understand this when it comes to prayer. Every Christian in the room, you have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. When you pray, God listens to every word because God is paying attention to his son. You can tell other, to be other people to pray for you. You can bring other people in to take that situation to God. But listen, there isn't a person in this room right now who has more connection to God than the other person does. Billy Graham does not have a better connection to God than you do. All right? If you want access to God, listen to me. God loves his son, Jesus, and you are connected to his son, Jesus. And so when you go to God in prayer, the Bible says that Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. And so when you go to God in prayer, because you go through Jesus, God gives you 100% of his attention. He hears every word. And so when you go to God, go to God with what you're afraid of. Go to God with what freaks you out. Yeah, there needs to be time that's set 
apart, maybe five, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, however long you want to pray, an hour, two hours, that's great, that's fine. There needs to be time set apart in our lives where we talk to God, but sometimes talking to God is driving down the road and that anxious thought comes into your mind, amen? Sometimes talking to God is you check the mail and there's that bill that you can't pay. Anybody with me? Sometimes talking to God is that phone call that you didn't plan for. And so you talk to God, yes, there's a time set apart for it, but then also there's other times where all you need to say, Jesus, I'm afraid, help me. Jesus, come and make a way. Jesus, provide. But see, what we're doing here and what God is trying to get on us is instead of the normal response of fear, of giving in, letting fear just chew up our lunch and have a field day in our heart, making the new default response to fear prayer but see it isn't praying one time and then that's going to solve it it's praying to god taking god your fears as many times as you need to listen it is not a sign of weakness to pray to god about the same thing you've been praying for for years Same thing you've been struggling with for years. Oh, man, I must be so weak. Listen, it is not a sign of weakness to talk to God about the same thing you've been talking to him about for years. Instead, it's a sign of faith and dependence. You go to God every single time fear comes in your mind. Whatever your greatest fear is, it's under his feet. Take it to God. It's under his feet. Take it to God. It's under his feet. Make your move. And prayer is the move. But notice that he says prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. See, because when you take a situation to God that you're afraid of and God hasn't even resolved that situation or acted in that situation yet, if you thank God for how he's going to act before he even acts, by faith you are saying, God has this situation handled. I don't know how he's going to provide. I don't know how he's going to make a way. But what I do know is that my God is at hand. I can take it to him. And God, I thank you for how you're going to act and respond, even though I don't know how you're going to act and respond. I just know you're going to. So the move is take it to God in prayer. Over and over, a hundred thousand times a day if you need to, your greatest fear, taking it to God. And that leads us to number three, and then we're done. Because we're going to size up our opponent, and we've already said God is bigger than our greatest fear. We're going to make our move, and our move is prayer over and over. We are taking it to God. We are taking it to God. We are taking it to God. And then the last thing, number three, we're going to force our opponent to tap out. We're going to force our opponent to tap out. Now, see, when you're in church and you say opponent, who does everybody think about? The devil. That's not the opponent that he's talking about here. Listen to me. The devil is our opponent. I mean, the Bible says that he aims to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, he wants to shipwreck your life, but the Bible is not the only opponent you have in your life. Let's read this verse. Look at verse 7. It says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard whose heart? Your heart. And whose mind? Your mind. In Christ Jesus will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Listen, my biggest opponent is me. My biggest opponent is me. At the end of the day, Jesus saved me from me. 
Nobody has lied to Mark Holmes more than Mark Holmes has lied to Mark Holmes. Nobody has caused me to not take a step God was leading me to take more than I have. Nobody's manipulated me more than I have, hurt me more than I have, held me back more than I have. My biggest opponent is me. And so this whole thing is about bringing my heart and my mind into submission to God because I'm the one that's scared. I'm the one that's freaking out. And there is something in me that needs to submit to God. See, because listen, if God changes your situation, if God changes your situation, but he doesn't change you, then God's fallen short. Because you need to maybe go back to the series we did before this one called Next. God's goal for your life is to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. Yes, God wants to work and act in your situation. He wants to change your situation. But in the middle of your situation, listen to me, God wants to change you. God wants to change you. And so here's what we've done is we've lived in fear. We've normalized fear. We've said, this is who I am. I'll always be this way. And we walk around and we're stressed out. We're freaking out. We're worried about everything. We're worried about our kids. We're worried about our future. We're worried about our health. We're worried about that decision. We're worried and we're worried and we're worried. And where is God? He's at hand. He's right there. But we're completely missing him. And so what God wants to do is God not only wants to change your situation, but God wants to change you. He wants to change me in the middle of that situation. And so here's what I believe today. I believe there's a lot of fear in this room right now. I believe there's a lot of fear in this room right now. And I know we're at church and you're supposed to act like you don't have any problems. But I think that if we're all honest, you've got some fear in your life. And God's just looked at every one of us in the face and said, hey, 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 don't be anxious about anything. I'm at hand. I'm right there. I'm on the scene. Your greatest fear is under my feet. So instead of it owning you, how about you come to me and you bring your fear to me because it's already under my feet and you bring it to me and you bring it to me over and over and over until God's peace pushes out fear, until faith pushes out worry. Why don't you bring it to God? Why don't you come to me, God says, and watch what I can do, not only with your fear, but with you. I believe there's a lot of fear in this room today. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start to do this right now. We're going to start to do this right now. Because if I said, hey, so let's start to do this tomorrow, you could talk you out of this in 24 hours. You can talk you out of this sermon in five minutes. That guy on stage don't know what you're going through. That guy on stage doesn't know the bills that we have. That guy on stage doesn't know the debt that I have. That guy on stage doesn't know what I've just heard. That guy on stage doesn't know what I'm getting in the car and going home to. You can talk you out of this. God is bigger than your greatest fear. And so we're going to start to do this right now. Here's what I want, here's what I want you to do. You don't, have to do. you don't have to say anything. I don't want you to make a movement. But here's what I'm going to ask you. Bring it to your mind. And listen, God already knows, but I want all interaction 
right here. Let me ask you one question. What's your biggest fear? What are you afraid of right now? And I'm not asking you to say it to anybody. I'm not asking you to write it down anywhere. I want you to be as honest as possible. Don't sugarcoat it or soften it. What are you afraid of today? Bring it to your mind right now. It's been there the whole time because it's been the thing that you've been arguing with me in your head against for the past 30 minutes. For why this sermon doesn't apply to you because your fear is too big. Bring it to your mind. Bring it to your mind. Get it in your mind. It's there. There's your fear. There's that thing that owns you. There's that thing that's keeping you up at night. That thing that's in your head right now, it is under the feet of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? It is under his feet. It is under his feet. Let's all say that together and declare it today. It is under his feet. It's under his feet. And because it is under his feet, what we can do is we can go to him and we can take it to him over and over and over. God, would you heal? God, would you provide? God, would you make a way? God, would you work this out? Jesus, I am so stuck right now. I am so afraid right now. I am so angry right now. If it's under his feet, take it to him. And we're going to keep taking it to him over and over and over until his peace and his presence pushes out that fear. Our situation might not change, but we can change in the middle of that situation. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to take that fear to God right now. We're going to take that fear to God right now. It is not our boss. Jesus died so that we can take steps to freedom from that fear. It is not our boss today. And so here in a second, I'm going to pray. And as soon as I'm done praying, here's what I ask you to do. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're here today, that fear in your head, let's start taking it to God right now. I want you, you can get up out of your seat. You can come right up here. You can pray about that fear. I just want you to get up out of your seat. You don't even have to wait until I'm done praying. You can get up and just bring your fear to God. Let's come up. Let's just make this an altar this morning, and let's take our fear to God. If you don't even know how to begin to talk about your fear, you have struggled with this for so long, you don't even know how to verbalize it, then I want you to get up out of your seat and make your way to the back because there's going to be people there that aren't going to judge you. They just want to put their hand on your shoulder and say, you are not alone. And they want to help you take it to God. They want to help you size up. Your God is bigger than your fear. Make the move of prayer and begin to have your heart and your mind brought into submission to who God is. So I'm going to pray, and as soon as I say amen, I want us to stand up. And we're going to stand up today, but if you are here, that fear in your I want us to fill up this front. I want you to make your way to the back. Let's begin to not let fear push us around, but let's activate the faith that we have in who Jesus is. And let's see that today all fear is under his feet. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, right now, this, Jesus, this, is more, this has got to be more than a sermon because this is where we live. And we look at stuff like this, don't be anxious about anything. And we, there's no way, there's no way that can happen for me. Jesus, that voice in us has got to die. 
That voice in us is only lying, and it is holding us back. And today, you are bigger than our greatest fear. It is under your feet. So right now, Jesus, I just pray that you would begin to make a movement in our church where we would take our fears to you. Be it people come up front, they might go to the back. Whatever we do today, Jesus, that we would make the move and that the move would be we would go to you. We would stop trying to cover it up on our own. Deal with it on our own. It's too big. We need to take it to you. Jesus, you are greater than our greatest fear. And so today, we all just come to you with our greatest fear and ask that you change us, change that situation, and act for your good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Some people have already come up. Can we all stand in the room right now? Let's all stand. Everybody just stand up right now. Let's all stand. And right now, right now, if you need to come up front, you come. Bring that fear to God right now. Just bring it right now. If you need to go to the back and talk to somebody, go to the back right now. Just go. Don't. Some of you are afraid right now what people will think about you if you do it. That's got to go. That's got to go. We're not living based on the fear of man. Because God is bigger than anybody's opinion. Let's go today. Let's take it to God. You need to come up front, you come up front. You need to go to the back, you go to the back. Just go. Just come on. Hey, let's do this. If you're in that seat today, I want some people from Summit. I want my partners. If you're here today, you're with Summit. You see somebody up here by themselves. Let's come up here. Put a hand on their shoulder. Let's be with them today. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Somebody went to the back and you need to go with them. Why don't you go see how they're doing right now? Let's just go. Let's make a move. Come on. Let's have church for just a moment. Lunch is going to be there in just a minute. It'll be there. But let's, let's serve some people. Let's, let's be church. Let's be the church right now. So if you need to bring your fear to God, man, it's too big. You're done letting that fear boss you around. Let's make a move. You want to be with somebody, you come and you be with them today. Maybe you need to go to the back. You go. You, you do what God is telling you to do. You can take it to God right there in your seat. But it's time to stop playing games and stop talking about faith and, and who, all the, who, who God is and what Jesus has done in our lives while fear is pushing us around. Let's make our move and let's take it to God today. If you need to come, you come. If you need to go to the back, you go to the back. Let's pray together really quick. Everybody up front, you don't need to move at all. You can stay where you're at as long as you need to. But I want to pray with us together as a church. Dear Jesus, right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we just acknowledge that you're greater than our greatest fear. We acknowledge, I acknowledge, just, just confess, God, we, we've normalized this stuff. It's not normal. It's eaten away at our faith. It's caused us to miss out on opportunities when you could have used us. It's caused us to miss out on you and our lives. Today you're giving us a new way to live, a new way to respond to fear, that instead of giving in to fear, we can give in to you and take our fears to you because you're greater. But God, maybe there's somebody here today and they do not have a relationship with you. If there's somebody here today right here in this crowd that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that right now 
would be the time where they would make the move. and They would give their life to you for the very first time. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, every, nobody's looking around. Listen, everything I've said today, you need to know this, everything I've said today, about sizing up your opponent, making your move, and tapping out your opponent. Everything I've said can only be done if Jesus Christ is living inside of you. It can only happen if you've got a relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you're not sure if you're saved, you're not sure if you're a Christian, listen, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he left heaven and came and died for you. And he died for you so that you could have a relationship with him. And I want you to know he knows about all the things in your past and all the present and all the maybe where the future holds and he loves you. And today, right now, in this room, you have the opportunity to ask Jesus Christ into your life to save you and to change you forever. And today, if you want to know that Jesus Christ has saved you, if you want to have confidence that you'll spend eternity with him, then what you need to do, you need to ask Jesus to forgive you for your sin and to save you. And right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you, if you want to do that today, you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to become a Christian, you are making that decision for the very first time. I'm going to pray, and right there where you're staying, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me silently. This is between you and God. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make me new from this moment forward. Help me to live for you to the best that I can. In your name. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, if you gave your life to Jesus today, or you want to know that you can have a relationship with Him, you say, Mark, I want to become a Christian today. I'm going to count to three as soon as I say three. I want you to shoot your hand into the air to indicate, today I am making the decision to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I want to have a relationship with Him. If you're making that decision today, as soon as I say three, raise your hand high into the air. One, two, three. Raise it right now. Right now, if you're making that decision. If you need to make that decision today, you raise your hand right now. And listen, if you're making that decision, I want you to look at me. We want to put these things in your hand today. We want to put this Bible in your hand. We want to give you this book called Seek First. Because listen, if you're making that decision today for the first time, you're just starting a relationship with Jesus. We want to help you with the biggest decision that you've ever made. But you need to tell somebody you're making that decision. That connection card we gave you, on the back you can check the box that says, I gave my life to Christ. And give it to somebody in the back on your way out. In the back as you leave today, there's going to be some volunteers. They've got this green book, Seek First, this Bible in their hand. Give them that card just to let them know you're making that decision. We'll put these in your hand today. Man, we're so excited for the decision that you're making today. Let's pray together as a church. Dear Lord Jesus, right now we just come to you and thank you that you have met with us here today. And I pray that what we've done here today, what we've talked about, it would go with us. Jesus, we would fight fear with faith. Thank you that Jesus, you are alive and you're greater than our greatest fear. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Summer, let's thank God for what he's done here today. Listen. Hey, before, before we dismiss today, before I let you go, um, said last week our students are taking a, a trip to, uh, to Gatlinburg around Christmas to be part of a really big conference called Winter Extreme. Uh, we've got about three or four students that need some help going, need sponsorship. 
Our student ministry has a table out there to your left, uh, right next to the Summit Kids registration booth. If you want to sponsor a kid to go to Winter Extreme, go out there to that booth on your way out today. And parents of students, our student ministry is having their Thanksgiving dinner. Today, it's at 5.30 in the multipurpose room. want to invite every teenager and all their families today at 5.30 to that. Hey, guys, listen. Man, I hope you guys have the most blessed Thanksgiving ever this coming week. Man, I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday when we wrap up Unglued. It's going to be a big day. You guys are dismissed. Love you. See you next week.